Right? <laughs> I'm not certain. <laughs> well, we can talk about it later. It's nine o'clock straight up. Wow. Saturday, Saturday December the 1st, 2018. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> what the heck? Why are you That's clanking what... on the doot the doos? Because you were doing that. Oh. Yeah, right. What's that supposed to be? Like a crumb horn or something like that? <laughs> Ever heard of a crumb horn? When I was in Madrigals in high school, we used to have crumb horns. What are crumb horns? They're a. Uh, they're a nasal sounding. <laughs> they are nasals. They're like a, uh, like a, Renaissance. Uh, no, maybe it's it's more. Uh, Around the time of Henry VIII, uh, a double reeded instrument that had a mouthpiece over the reeds, so you weren't actually making contact with the reeds. You had to blow into it a certain way to get the reeds to vibrate, and then it was just a tube that was shaped like that, little U-shaped thing. Sounded like kind of like a kazoo. It really did sound (laughs) kind of like a kazoo. It had kind of a buzzing kind of uh, kazoo-like quality to it. One of the instruments that did not catch on in real life. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Yeah, you don't hear a lot of crumb horn anymore for some reason. Maybe because the kazoo came along. Yeah, ham and Kind of usurped it. And was uh, much easier to use. Probably much easier to play, no reeds involved. You just hum into it. Anyway, it's a lovely day. It's, uh, it's you know, nice and toasty in our house. And for the first time ever. For the, for the first time ever. Well. It's uh, been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, uh, as per usual, uh, with some distinctive, uh, you know, qualities to it that, <laughs> that uh, are not run-of-the-mill here in the treehouse, at least. Over to you, Diane. Why over to me? I don't know. Please continue. Oh. Well, we had, uh, this week, uh, we had a HVAC system installed in our home. And we are, <laughs> what? We are both pleased and... Terrified. <laughs> well, not terrified. I wouldn't say terrified, but certainly uh, uh, shocked and, and possibly chagrined at the aesthetics of the system. Outside. Outside our home. Mostly uh, around our, our entryway. Which, you know, because the guy who came out and, and sold us on this, the representative from the company, and this is, has nothing to do with the actual equipment or the effectiveness of it, uh, because it's very effective, I would say. But we were kind of led to believe that there would not, well, I don't know that we, where the, whether the aesthetics of the exterior was ever even discussed. But when the installers came out, it was clear to them that it was not going to be as easy as the the salesman had made it sound. So we ended up with a bit more of a a Rube (laughs) Goldberg-esque kind of uh, aesthetic uh, on the front side of our dwelling, which we were a little nervous about. Because, the ramifications. Well, and... we don't know if there are going to be even ramifications. There's a lot of things that are yet that yet need to be done, which we knew full well we would need to do. 
like the painting of the of the little channels. Um, they aren't little. Well, they're not little. Well, actually, they are little, but there's two of them instead of yeah. one of them, and that's kind of doubled our pressure, doubled our fun in the aftermath. But, you know, we've only had this, we've had it for less than 24 hours, and we're still kind of, uh, I think we're still kind of in shock. So I think things will normalize to some degree, and we'll figure out some way to make it, uh, to make it work. So if we feel a little bit more tense than yeah, if usual, we, if we seem a little edgy, pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. It's only because we've been kind of, uh, you know, how it is. I mean, you boy, both Diane and I, and perhaps That's good coffee, some of you as well, have this complex of anxiety around large expenditures of money, for one thing, big changes to the house and things like that, and so there's some of that going on, don't you think? There's definitely some of that going on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's just funny because they talked a lot about the interior aesthetics, which I have no problem with, and yeah. <laughs> they never talked about the exterior. Yeah. But we need no, not go on about that any need longer. Need we not? Need we not? Oh, it's just oh. nice that, because this house has never really, it had radiant ceiling heat yeah. when I first moved in, and it never worked. And many of our condo neighbors have opted for the heat pump system as we did. Right. And so we were thinking everything would be hunky-dory, but each of our condos is slightly different. So. Right. In terms of the exterior, in terms of like the wall space available, the, the wall between the door to the deck when it's open all the way and the window le- uh, frame that's right next to it, there's a very narrow channel there, and the, the installers were concerned about being able to, to hit that mark, and they were able to. So in terms of what it looks like up out on our deck and stuff like that, we're fine with it. But down by our back door, our, our, front, front, door. our front door, excuse me, it is, uh, it's less aesthetically uh, pleasing than I, I would have thought it would be. So, so that's one of the things. And then the we're, other... We're the other uh, highlight of our week was going to see Paul Dorpat. And Jean Sherrard. Yeah, yeah, down at the uh, Third Place Books uh, Lake Forest Park. They have a brand new uh, book that's coming out called Seattle Now and Then. Paul Dorpat has been doing the Seattle Now and Then column in the Seattle Times uh, Sunday Magazine since 1982, I believe. And I first became aware of Paul Dorpat's work uh, around 1984 when I was working uh, at the J.K. Gill store downtown Seattle and he, he had put out an a initial book uh, in, in 81 or 82 and then had followed up once he started doing the weekly columns in the, in the Seattle Times he, he put out some collections back then that we used to carry in the, in the bookstore that I worked at. So I was fascinated by the idea which is if you haven't seen the Seattle Now and Then column, it's it's a historical photo of some vantage from some vantage point at some piece of Seattle, and then a contemporary photo taken from as close to the same vantage point as they can do, showing what has changed in the meantime. And there's a lot of historical information about the buildings that you see and the times and things like that incorporated into the text of the of the column, and it's just an interesting kind of weekly juxtaposition of. of the old versus the new and really well done and Paul Dorpat has become kind of a local uh, 
landmark in and of himself for having done this for 30 some years and uh, so it was really nice to help celebrate this new book which is a collection of the hundred best or the what they consider the hundred best of the columns that have gone over he's done like over 1800 of them in total so it was at third place books in lake forest park which is very close by us yeah and it's a wonderful bookstore yeah it's a wonderful space uh they've got this kind of open floor plan so you've got the third place books which opens into this kind of open interior courtyard area which is also served by uh, a food court including the uh, the honey bear bakery which is uh, which used to be up by green lake and i used to play music there all the time back in the 80s and early 90s and uh, so there's kind of this it's a very open air kind of uh, town square kind of feel and they've got a big stage area and uh, they do music there fairly regularly and it's just a really nice space community space the idea of third place books was that the owner thought that you have your home you have your work and you need a third place yeah. and he wanted to make Which that is a kind of a community gathering kind yeah. of feel to it and it's... it does have a community gathering definitely Almost everybody who came to this was, I don't know, over 55. I, I, uh, and I was thinking how interesting all the older faces were and how interesting it was to see all these people. Paul Torpat being the, the prime example because, man, what a... What a marvelous character and yeah, he funny. Yeah, he is quite the, uh, quite the curmudgeon of his own kind, but very witty and quick and, and uh, delightful. And, and uh, they were doing lots of things to get the audience to participate uh, in the, the show, which were quite uh, successful. Yes, definitely. I loved it. At one point, they were talking about a building that was supposed to use the it was supposed to remi- remind the person who's looking at this building of breakfast at Tiffany's Audrey Hepburn was supposed to be it was supposed to be Audrey Hepburn in breakfast at Tiffany's right uh, but i didn't know whether they were at first given the the mission of having it be just breakfast at Tiffany's and they decided to do it on Audrey Hepburn but they showed the the contours of the building and some of the the details and then showed the picture of the famous picture of Audrey Hepburn yeah. sort of the poster right. and um, at that point Paul Dorpat said what was the song that they what was the theme song of that show and then many people myself included said Moon River right. you know and then he and then he says so how does that go I'm sure he know he probably does that at every right, show right. but everybody sang it it yeah. was quite because there i i think everybody was singing it right and everybody well, knew all the words yeah. so until paul's in. okay that's enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite a, quite a fun a fun evening and uh, we were able to get our copy of the book which we wanted to do anyway so and we prefer to do it from our local bookstore so yeah so it was nice. They're doing these events. They've been doing them since October, and uh, and uh, they've been doing them all over town. They've still got several of them left. But uh, it's a good thing, and I really like the uh, the kind of historical 
I, I, you know, I felt like the reason that the old, it was all older people is because it's only older people that are interested in history. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't but, know. Uh, I was pretty interested in this sort of stuff. I, I was too. I was, I, mean, I was in my twenties when I when I first discovered yeah. Seattle now and then, and just dove into it. I mean, songs like Sacred Ground and Old Town, those songs grew out of that kind of consciousness yeah. because I was right there in downtown Seattle and very much aware of how it was changing even as I was there because I was there when they started building the bus tunnel and they moved the monorail station over a block and they and ended up tearing down the building that I was working in. It's now Westlake Park. The building that I was working in when these books were came out used to stand right where Westlake Park is now. And that whole area had a whole different kind of feel to it. And the building that I was in, which was the old Bartell Drug building down there, it reminded me kind of a, of a miniature Times Square, because it, just because of the, the feel of that time. And you were right there uh, where the monorail station was, and you just got this, what I think of as a reverse fishbowl effect, where you'd be inside the building, there were, the entire building was wrapped in windows, and so you were kind of looking out at all the activity on the street. You, you could see out better than they could see in kind of thing. And it was just a wonderful environment to work in just because you were kind of in the midst of the hubbub all the time and could just stand kind of uh, unseen and observant. You know? For some reason, it resonated with me really intensely at that Have you time. ever sent Paul <coughs> Dorpat your songs? No, I have not. You should. Uh-huh. I think he would love it, especially if you said that it was somewhat inspired by the sorts of stuff that he does. Sacred Ground is an amazing song. Yeah. I think the the most amazing, memorable photo sequence for me was the Melrose, I don't know, it was... It was I think it was called Melrose Street or something, oh, right. and it was just an uh, alleyway. Just this kind of shaded alleyway with these big trees and yeah, you know the backsides of houses and stuff like that. And that is actually the I five corridor now. Yeah, yeah. and a I was neighborhood thinking that no longer exists because I five uh, was built. And the other was the Black River that. Um, yeah. That it no longer is a river, that it's... Yeah, um, used to connect Lake Washington to Puget Sound. Yeah. And they were talking about how, you know, they showed... It's just all filled in, but they said that it's still running through the drains and the... Yeah. The storm and the, drains and the underwater, ch- underground channels. Yeah, it's yeah. just amazing. I, I, I never knew. Yeah. So, yeah, that was fascinating show, I thought. And, I mean, not show, but presentation. Well, if you start Very... reading this book and you start getting into these things, it's you know, it all kind of resonates with that kind of feeling, which is one of the things that drew me to it initially was this sense of you know how things used to be and what has been what has been done. Pictures of the Denny regrade as it was happening and what it looked like before when there was a Denny Hill and now there isn't a Denny Hill and they put all that regrade material down on the waterfront to fill in the waterfront and the whole Duwamish head and how that has changed all the uh, the land that that CenturyLink field and Safeco field are on used to be underwater you know it's all been filled in and and built on and you know you think about this happening in the you know in the late 19th and early 20th centuries 
you think about the scale of a project like that and the machinery that was available then and the engineering that took place to make it happen and it's it's pretty interesting I mean the fact that First Avenue used to be the shoreline First Avenue in downtown used to be at the water's edge and uh, now there's all that space the Alaska Way viaduct was you know was would have been in the middle of Puget Sound you know so anyway it's just a it's a fascinating thing to to dip into uh especially if it's a city that you love and and have been a part of for you know 30 or 40 years you know you kind of get this sense of ownership and you you feel the resonance of things going back and all of the ingenuity that it took to to make it into what it is and plus at the same time you get a sense of kind of not nostalgia but almost uh i don't know some kind of feeling for what it must have been like yeah you know when there were still tall trees you know in the middle of the of the city i mean old growth went right down to the shore you know so anyway i also it kind of ties into something i was thinking this morning because we were uh <laughs> there's an advent calendar that we get an animated advent calendar from jackie lawson it's uh they're english artists who do this really cool little thing for advent it's all on online yeah and yeah. so they take a scene of some sort sometimes it's been an alpine village sometimes it's been london you know it's all english uh climbs and they basically do a little advent calendar so they have music in the background, and it was it's usually choral in nature. So Bill was saying, maybe we should have some choral music on today. Mm. Um, but I had the idea of doing the magical strings um, because they have a lot of Celtic Yuletide concerts that are in this season. and right. They're and, still doing uh, them, right? They, they do. Yeah. They are, in fact, I think this is an important anniversary, like the 40th or something wow. like that. I don't know. I'd have yeah. to look it up. It's got to be like 40 years. Yeah, 78. Yeah. yeah, that would be about right. Seems like it. But one of the, the tunes I was listening to was this very popular childhood tune in my mind, which was Still, Still, Still. That still, still, still. Da, 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 da. And uh, and another one was all through the night, which, and I was really getting a little emotional when I was listening to these very sweet songs because I was thinking about that that feeling in childhood that you have of being safe, and you know that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. And I was thinking you know reminiscing back on the times that we think were so peaceful and and wonderful when we were kids i don't think times have ever been peaceful and wonderful for the adults no, you know no that's it's why just the been, child's yeah. view of it but i was thinking isn't it wonderful that despite all the turbulence and craziness of the world that people still create beauty and joy not only for their children but they do it for themselves by doing it for their children right i think of that poem that you had written about um about your uh, keeping your kids safe from the cougar oh, yeah. and you were 
basically talking about being a how being a father you're you're basically saying i'm going to protect you from everything even though you know you can't yeah. you know but it works for the child you yep. know and kind of keeps you in that safe from all harm feeling if you're fortunate enough to be in a wonderful family until you (laughs) are thrust into the world and realize that it's not always that way however it is sometimes that way and that is the thing that i think that we always have to keep in mind is that 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 the world is all those things it's the the terror and the beauty and the you know it's got everything yeah. in it in, very true so i was thinking how all the the beautiful music you hear all the beautiful art it was all created during turbulent times yeah. it's true so. and the a lot of the uh, images in the paul dorpat book there you know represent other turbulent times yeah and uh, then uh, contemporary view on those same from those same vantage points it's really quite interesting I like the sense of resonance uh, of, you know both historically like like uh, with the with Seattle now and then and also personally with remembering that safe feeling that we had as kids and stuff like that and I think it was you know emphasized and emblemized by the holiday season because I think that's kind of the, the warm and cozy time of year and isn't it interesting that it was brought about during the most terrifying time of the year for our ancestors? Right. The time that you could, maybe you didn't save enough food up or it's going to be cold. Yeah, and Didn't have enough firewood to make it through the winter or yeah. whatever, yeah. So, true. so it's all created from sort of that, that feeling of insecurity. Yeah creates the feeling of security so so you know we can we can take it back to our new hvac system because we have a sense of security in our warmth and we've got a sense of insecurity because (laughs) because of what it's done to the outside of our building so but we'll keep you posted on that thing full circle full full circle circle. yeah you take the good with the bad and uh you know it all evens out somewhere maybe i don't know we're not (laughs) done yet we'll have to wait and see But in the meantime, we have some magical strings to keep us warm. Yes. 